This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. We, as individual human beings, have become our own teachers, our own gurus. We don't need others to tell us our way. It is all within us. We have enough energy right now to access the wisdom we could never access before, to penetrate the darker parts of our humanity and reveal our truths within. That doesn't mean we don't seek support or information. When we are ready to see it in ourselves, we bring in the specific energy, the support, the frequency that we need in that moment. Allow the space and silence you generate on this journey to help you absorb these inarticulable concepts in your subtle body and in your intuitive self. Often, the mind doesn't quite know what to do with this new information, feelings, energies. Let go of time, deadlines, expectations, and goals. All those things will need to be released anyway. The mind has its own time signature which is connected to your egoic expectations, connected to your pain. By letting go of your mind's expectations, you connect to your internal clock and the goals of your metaphysical self. To release ourselves from pain defining our path, we unleash the magic within and reveal the magic without. Valeria interviews Antonia. She's the author of Dismantling the Third Dimension, transforming our trauma on the road from tribe to collective. Antonia spent 20 years getting university degrees and trying to save the world in careers such as international development and community health. In 2006, she experienced a dramatic, spontaneous shift in realities that challenged everything she knew of the world and herself. For the next magical 16 years, she experienced an explosion of energy eventually understanding she was in an accelerated awakening. She had spent nearly every day since then releasing emotional, physical, and energetic pain and letting go of what she thought defined a worthy life. As the suffering released, she accessed a higher truth about the purpose of pain, that it feeds our evolution, but only if we see it. She works with her clients psychotherapeutically and as a transmuter, to help them see their pain versus be their pain, creating opportunities to release ancient pain programs through high frequencies of love and awareness. She is a registered psychotherapist, trained as an Ayurvedic counselor, meditation instructor, and yoga instructor. She transmits energetically in session while teaching through silence and with the assistance of plant medicine. Meet Antonia at tribetocollective.com. Here's the interview with Antonia. In your own words, who is Antonia? I think I would 
say that I don't know. And my journey is about finding out uh, how to release all that is not. <laughs> mm. Yes. Uh, oh, what's not to love about that answer? Because <laughs> it resonates true to me. Um, that sounds very spiritual. How did you come to this perspective, even to this kind of reflection? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of started spontaneously back in about 2006. And everything just turned upside down. And what I soon realized months and years, it might have even taken quite a few years, is that I was in a really big, overwhelming, and very uncomfortable process of releasing lots of discomfort, literally purging pain from my body for years and years. And as I continued to do that, there was a whole other reality, a whole other, I would like to say me, but I don't think it is really me, that was revealing itself underneath. Mm, yes. Was the, the process of releasing pain for you um, a physical one, a mental one, an emotional one? How would you describe that? Yeah, all of those and an energetic one. Oh, the energetic. All of the above. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that is interesting. And, you know, we talked briefly off record. Is that the goal, really, Antonia, to release, uh, or at least to become aware? Yeah, let me, let me use the word release. Release mm-hmm. all the pain that we have mm-hmm. stored, that we mm-hmm. have been. Well, it's interesting, which we're going to be discussing the book soon, because the, the book describes a process of release and transformation. But really, I think we come across or we find ourselves in a place where we eventually discover that none of this is actually real anyway. So, and, and in finding that belief, it kind of all disappears. But I think that there's a, in a meantime, yes, there, there is a letting go of, a shedding, a purging that I experience still currently of, of releasing, which I think really is a transforming. And even that is really not real. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You see, I understand when you say that mm-hmm. it's not real. It's really like, ha, ah, how wonderful <laughs> to meet yeah. somebody who we can mm-hmm. use that <laughs> language. But for those who don't understand, well, not yet, let's say my audience, they're really interested. But most people are not really, including my husband. He's not really, because he's the closest person to me. And I noticed that he wants to understand some of the things that I say and the way I say it sometimes. You know, this is a dream, like a dream, and it's not really real. But he thinks that I'm just being dismissive of this reality and almost like um, nihilistic kind of uh, frame of mind or almost like um, trying to become numbed, numbing myself. So that's not what, what... when you say it's not real, that's not what you mean, right? Exact, exact opposite, <laughs> I would suggest. Yes. The exact opposite. And in fact, I would say that part of finding out it's not real is we need to go right into it. And that has been part of the transforming process, is learning how to turn right into the discomfort and into the belief yeah. in the discomfort. Mm. And in doing that, it literally poof dissolves. And working with my clients, when I ask them to witness, to literally see the stories that play out in discomfort and in thought and in feeling and in behavior, when they see them 
and I bring them into a new place of seeing, literally, poof, they dissolve, mm. just dissolve. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, that has been my experience too, right? Beautiful, and beautiful. Also with fear, yeah, I noticed that testing, you know, going closer, facing fear, closer and closer and closer, and then it disappears, right? It dissolves, exactly. Bingo. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, Antonia, if you don't mind entertaining this question, mm-hmm. so what is real from your perspective now? How would you describe this real state of being? I'm already using the word being, but yeah. talk, to, yeah, talk to me about that. What is real? Well, you know, I I, I have no idea. And mm-hmm. I, <laughs> but, but what uh-huh. I can say... What I can say comes in yes. when the more that I release myself from the pain reality, what shows up is an unimaginable amount of love. I never thought it was possible. I never, th- because I lived in mind collecting degrees, university degrees over and over. I lived in mind for so long. Yes. It was beyond really literally comprehension. And as right. the as the density of the pain moved out of my body, what has come into its place repeatedly over and over again is an unimaginable amount of love and what I'd like to consider wisdom. And right now the wisdom says, I have no idea, except it feels really, really, really good. It feels very, very safe. It mm. feels very connecting. Uh, yes. I love that. I have to use the same word, um, love. Yes. And I was about to ask you, what does it feel? feel like mm-hmm. to love but you said already oh, something that resonates with me too feeling safe and connected yes that yeah. is so true do you also have the feeling of inclusiveness when you think about love i think about whatever love is it includes everything it doesn't create separation division and it's it's very welcoming of whatever it is which is kind of almost like a, a paradox but yeah, that's the feeling that I get. It's very spacious. So, Yeah, and in fact, you know, pain is disconnecting. By its very nature, we contract and shrink mm. when we're in fear, for yes. example, right? Yes. So we disconnect. So the opposite, which happens to be also the antidote, is the connecting energies of love, which is consciousness, right? Consciousness connects all. It's the, it's the whole. So once we bring that in, we are connected to the whole and we heal the disconnected parts of ourselves. Mm, yes, uh, that makes sense. If everything is happening in consciousness, then mm-hmm. once we become aware of that, it's not really tap into it because we're already in it, but it's exactly. becoming aware that it's here. Yes, you know something interesting? I interviewed somebody recently. Uh, she's a Qigong yeah, instructor. Mm-hmm. And she's also a spiritual teacher. She used to be a computer science. So she's into science and all that too. Very brain-oriented. But then she moved away from that. And I remember we were having a conversation about pain, emotions and all that. And then all of a sudden, I said to her that I was having every month when I have my period, I have kind of very strong pain. And the cramps, they have, I mean, even 10 days before, it's really almost violent in a sense. And she started asking me questions and all. And then I said to her, she said something about the liver. Now that sounds like the liver is being, uh, and the liver has to do with uh, holding emotions, not, not, not expressing yourself. So, and then that, <laughs> within that conversation, I just told her, you know, sometimes uh, my husband, he does things and he says, actually he has a, 
I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't want to judge him. His nervous system and all that, you know, his childhood trauma and all that. He went through a lot of hardships in life, a lot of traumas. But I feel like sometimes when he gets angry, there's something in me, a tendency in me to reject anger. And I kind of push it away within myself. And that's not good. And it's causing the body to later on to kind of try to release itself, to release that pain in form of pain too. <laughs> Have you worked with any clients with this? I mean, it sounds very common. It seems to me. But in my case, I have been doing a lot of spiritual work and I have this understanding, which is beyond understanding in a way, I feel. It's knowledge, spiritual knowledge about how this operates and what this is, which we call life. But would that be possible too, Antonia, to be aware of consciousness and know there's nothing that's separate here, but it's still go on within my own habits, kind of still pushing away things like violence, unkindness, anger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then storing them and then probably the body will die one of these days because of it. But it's, yeah, how do you see that? Um, I think there's lots of things to, to explore there. I mean, liver is where we store anger. I mean, there's a lovely balance between not living the story of rage and not repressing the rage. So to see it and to transform the density, the contracting state of rage into love means we have to see it all, means we have to accept it all, Mm. right? We have to bring in full acceptance so that it can be transformed into a higher energy. So that it's not stuffed and contracted away, creating states of disorder in the body. And consciousness is the ultimate state of order. And pain is the state of disorder in the body, which we do when we hold repressed emotions. Right. So the liver is a place we store rage and the colon is a place we store fear. And the heart is the, and the lungs are the place we store grief. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's why somatic work is so essential, becoming very aware of the landscape of our body so that we can see where we're hosting and holding uh, repressed emotions. Because Ayurveda would say that everything, all illness, all imbalance is rooted in the repressed emotion. It's a feeling we have not wanted to experience. We did not have the resources at the time to experience, to resolve. So it got stuffed away for later. So the somatic work allows us to go in and to get in contact with those things that we were unable to feel before so that they can come into awareness and into love and acceptance and consciousness. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Yes, it resonates mm-hmm. too, of course. And then I'm just wondering now, because I talked to so many people and I interviewed somebody else who was very clear about the difference between repression and suppression. Mm-hmm. Repression being what you said is unconscious. So you're not really, you're just doing it without knowing. And then later on, we'll suffer the consequences and then suppressing it would be consciously suppressing it choosing to deny yeah yeah so i'm wondering which one i'm doing it seems like a suppression because i i'm very much aware of the feelings outside of me of the i think Mm -hmm. that that's what it looks Mm -hmm. like (laughs) is experience anger (laughs) and then automatically something in me doesn't want to get that anger kind of uh, triggered or even fired up even more so maybe gets me angry, but then I don't express anger because it's something that I have been maybe trying to suppress since I was little with all my childhood yeah. traumas too. 
Yeah, if you have some mental, you know, cognitive awareness, if you're aware that that anger is there, then the way to work with it is how do you sit it safely with your own anger? Yeah. So you to transform it before you show up in front of somebody else, which is what we do. We don't want to see it in ourselves so that we vomit it and then keep recreating it out in the external Mm. reality, right? Mm, Yes, right. I remember my parents, right? They were very angry, or my mother was. And and I, I remember like trying to... After she hurt me, I would try to make her feel good, although Bingo. I was in pain. Yeah, that's ah. it. Anger is not safe. So I'm hearing mm. make anger safe. And that also can be a somatic experience. How do you make anger safe? How right. do you actually love it? <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. Wow, that sounds like a work for Antonia. <laughs> we got to work with her. <laughs> wow, that's Beautiful amazing. Beautiful piece of work. It sounds like very much to me because also it's here, it's home in a sense, body, mind. It's happening to me. And it's there for you, right? We hear that all the time. Anger is there for you because for you to then take that anger and bring in enough love to turn that anger into something that you arrive at. Oh, that's why you're there. And that's why you needed to be here all my life. And now I've learned how to love this much in order to turn you anger into wisdom. Like that transformation alone is is the reason for being, right? That expansion, that growth, that growth of love and consciousness is I believe why many of us, if not most of us are here. Yes, wow, that sounds amazing. And I wonder if you realize that like people like myself in a relationship and then you realize the sign or the the message is to end the relationship because mm-hmm. it's not really something I've been trying for so long. This is my third marriage. So, and I have always kind of, for some reason, being around people that resemble my mother in that, mm-hmm. with the cool. anger thing. And then I'm always trying to push it away. This It comes closer to me. I'm like, what? That's like the opposite. I'm trying to go away from it. And it's always close to me. So in my case, I don't want to end the relationship. What would you say to somebody like me or anyone who is listening, who is going through this? <laughs> Just for now, without doing the work, I know that we got to go deeper into it. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a big one. We can go into the anger that keeps repeating itself. We go into patterns and, you know, which is really consciousness knocking on our shoulder going, do you get it yet? Do you get it yet? Do you get it yet? Right? So we need to find our way into the repressed emotion that's keeping us in the perspective and the perceptions and in the in the belief system. So I, I'm hearing anger, for example, would be the core of where you find it. And once you find Anger and repressed anger are real big victim states. They Mm. say, I'm uncomfortable and it's all your fault. Mm. So uh, whether we're conscious of it or not, that is the state of anger. Anger can serve us by saying something got past my boundaries. And when we listen to it, okay, then great. We're at ease again and the anger subsides. But if we're not listening to the anger in that moment and go, there's something that needs to be kept out to make me feel safe or respected or heard, um, if we're not listening to it, then we suppress it or we throw it onto somebody else in the victim state. So to come back into our own bodies and say, what story am I holding around in me that I'm not l- really listening to and continue to perpetuate mm. that's forcing me to say, I'm uncomfortable and it's that person over there that's put me in that state versus saying, no, it's my wound. It's my wound that keeps facilitating this drama. It's my wound that keeps facilitating this core belief and this discomfort. I have to go in there and I have to own that. And before I do that, it's really often hard to figure out what's going on externally. 
So before we exit a relationship to go into that wound and own it, and from that place of dissolving that wound and the story it's perpetuating, then we can best judge, I think, what to do with our external reality. Yes. Um, Yes, that also very much resonates energetically when you said that, right? Mm Because everything's happening here, not out there. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. So the understanding I have of consciousness is that it's not either doing or undoing anything. It doesn't have the power because it's really, uh, it's the body-mind that um, has created all the problem. Mm-hmm. So, and it's holding on to so many things, stories, belief systems, pain, all that. So it makes sense that work would be at the level of the body-mind, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, here in this reality, yeah. Yes, right. In my case, if I want to kind of feel at peace at that level, body-mind level, when even with, within those things. It doesn't happen all the time. It's not that often, but it happens. And I have been a spiritual seeker and, and I, I thought that I was a spiritual founder. <laughs> I found myself mm-hmm. spiritually. But then I see that it's still happening. And then I notice, okay, nothing really changed really when you realize certain truth. It just, um, mm-hmm. it continues to go. And I love the example that one of the spiritual teachers that I usually listen to and read, he said, you know, it's like a bicycle. You're running this bicycle for so long, you know, at a full, full speed. And then at some point, you just get off of the bike. And the bike will still run. It will still go on on its own. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing you can do to stop it. It will stop at some point, uh, inevitably, but it's still running. So, ah, there's so much to ask you. I had the open questions here for you, but we have we covered pretty much uh, everything here. So, but talk to me about the Tribe Collective. Is that a program, a course? Talk to me about the collective. I'm interested in the tribe collective. To me, it was one thing. Mm -hmm. Just before you explain that, I thought it was tribe collective. Tribe to collective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, tribe to collective. I'm seeing those words separately and thinking about Mm -hmm. collective pain. You know, there's a lot of that collective karma that has been, we we have acknowledged uh, spiritually and, and even psychology. But anyway... Talk to me about, from your perspective, what that is and how do you see this idea of collective pain? Essentially, you know, our tribal state is the social manifestation of our inner pain state. It's disconnected, right? We have little disconnected units kind of huddled in corners with each other, desperately trying to validate each other through some type of identity in order to feel safe, right? This very tribal state versus the collective, which is the whole. And the more we release our pain of fear, shame, and rage, which is our pain of separation, the more we move from tribal states of us versus them into the whole. Mm, So the modules, I just provide reflections on what it means. I mean, what is the process, basically? What is the process on how to see our pain states, how to bring them into awareness? And then the enormous growing opportunities for us to transform, heal, and release this tribal slash state of separation, this reality of separation from our bodies, ergo creating the state of of the collective in the external reality, in the internal reality, and therefore the external reality as well. Yes. Wow. That's beautiful. I love your work though. Mm. (laughs) You go deep into it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's uh, emotional, the mental states, and then a realm, and then also the spiritual so it's, of course, it's it's whole, so you include everything. Mm. What's not to love about that? Um, oh, wow. What a validation. I'm very, very grateful. <laughs> yeah, it's truly beautiful. 
I'm just reading here, I made a note about the tribe to collective. You said what you just said, basically, with your own words, in different words. <laughs> you say, mm-hmm. our evolution is the healing of our suffering. Ancient trauma and the delusion of separation that lives in our bodies. Mm-hmm. So the separation that lives in our bodies. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the densest reflection, the, the, the densest reflection of suffering is in the densest place in our reality, which is our physical reality. That's the heaviest, densest place in this dense reality. So our suffering goes right into the deep into the physical state. And so to evolve and to grow more than ever, I think right now, is to bring the lightness of love, gratitude, acceptance, which comes through silence, deep silence, not avoidant silence, Mm -hmm. but deep presence into our bodies, love into our bodies, uh, releases us at the physical level and then the emotional level, mental level, and then the energetic level of how suffering shows up in this reality. We release ourselves from the separation as it shows up in this dense manifestation here. Then we shift into the next reality, which is, I believe, much lighter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, Wow. I mean, I have, let's say, deep devotion, I would say, for Mm. these things. So you just get me to be silent in um, contemplation to this. Mm. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much, Antonia, for for listening to life itself and everything else in between. Oh, what a beautiful way of putting it. Mm. Mm -hmm. So there's something else you said. It was a question, I think, in your book, I believe. Why do we choose to stay in pain? Mm -hmm. So I would love for you to answer that question. I do have other notes here from the book, but yeah, for now. Well, I think I briefly mentioned, I can't assume all of us, but I think for many of us, part of the process of healing and transformation is to go into the unseen places, the abandoned places places within, the places we have not wanted to see. And we need to go in and see them deeply with full acceptance. We have to be present with them with zero rejection. And that is how we free ourselves from them. So it means we need to see our pain. And let's face it, we have an an enormous, well, we have a history of needing to avoid the pain because it's been so overwhelmingly painful and haven't had the resources, the time, the energy to look into the pain. We've been too busy fighting and running from each other. But to look at pain is painful. It's kind of scary to look at your fear. And so uh, it makes a lot of sense that we would not want to do that. We instinctively not want to do that. But I think that we are now especially especially in this part of the world where I'm at, we have an opportunity and enough safety for many of us to turn into it now, to look into it, to bring awareness, to unreject it, to unabandon those parts of us, and therefore or free ourselves from this story of separation and embodied pain. Yes. I guess the question caught my attention because uh, the word choose, so that was a key word in the sense of, I mean, choose, and then, of course, we, we. Uh, so who is choosing in this case? Oh, my. Yeah. <sighs> you know, <laughs> I, I have no idea because 
That's a hard one. There is often I'm confronted within myself this frustration with, I mean, this has not been an easy path for me. It's been very, very uncomfortable moving through all this pain. And there's a part of me that goes, well, who picked this path for me? Because I couldn't. (laughs) Yes. There's no way if I knew that this was coming down the road that I would pick this path. So in one way, I think that there's maybe a larger, bigger part of us connected to the whole that is beautifully and lovingly nudging us along. Mm. But I do think that there's another part of us here that needs to also be part of the choosing that says, yes, I I need to make the conscious choice of love. I need to choose love. Right. Uh, So, and I just don't have the answers, but I do think that there might be a collaboration going on between (laughs) the role we play in this denser reality mm. and the role, the, the bigger part of us and the part of us that's connected to the we has for us here. Yes, right. That's an interesting concept. Always try to um, kind of go beyond the thinking mind because I know how wonderful it is when it comes to creating new stories. It will yes. release lots of them and it will create new ones just right. to fit its own box, its own concepts, ideas, or I don't know, lifestyle. What came to me, I see if this resonates with you, but what's interesting was that the body, I felt in the body and then I felt energetically too, something happened on, on top of my head. Something happened in that moment, just like a glimpse. Was this week? Uh, yes, uh, three days ago, four days ago, I'm not sure. But I was reflecting and you know, contemplating the idea of the, exactly the conversation I had with this other person that I interviewed recently about the Qigong teacher. I went deeper into it. Ah, so... Who is trying to be different here? Who is trying to make change in a sense of holding, suppressing anger or these feelings or not suppressing? And then that came to an answer that was given before by the mind, probably, um, you know, trust, just trust. It made me feel really good before I remember from that level when I, I was going through very hard, tough situations emotionally, physically too. That trust message was a powerful one. Just trust. And then then the mind said, okay, trust God. Okay, trust the source, consciousness, whatever it is. (laughs) I'm trusting something here that I know it's here. And then uh, I know it's here that's greater than me. That was the whole point. And then all of a sudden, three days, four days ago, I don't know, it just said something different. The insight was it's trust itself. Whatever it's choosing to do, whatever here, it's choice itself. Who is happy here? No, it's just happiness itself happening. Who is angry here? It's just anger itself. So there was nothing really, there was no, the I was not attached to it anymore. And that gave me that sense of um, freedom. It was very light when that was dropped, that I. I know this is something that a lot of spiritual teachers, they mention over and over and over again, but nobody really gets it. (laughs) I never got it. But then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, that was a very powerful, let's say, Understanding, felt understanding. Yeah, it's there's nobody choosing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's almost like possibilities. So they're just happening. Just, just it's a happening, happening. It's a choice. It's choosing, doing its own thing. It's interesting. It's almost like energy just uh, doing what it does. There was nobody really trying anything to suppress pain or trying to release pain. That was a 
And I had had those before, of course, but I had the help of uh, spiritual teachers in going through uh, different spiritual experiences, meditation, all that. But this was very spontaneous, which is sort of a question and then the answer. Mm. It's not that you're trusting anyone or anything. You are trust itself. Mm -hmm. That sounds like it's shifting from the sort of this dense reality, 3D state of yeah. doing into the higher of just yes. pure being. And we understand we can understand that maybe through words of trust and surrender, but really it's right. just is. That's it. Yes, right, right, right. That's it. You see, it's it's easy to try to put words. I guess I'm using words because that's what we do here in the human experience. We use mm -hmm. words. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then we're like, okay, the concept yeah. of love, you know, we create all these concepts. We are concepts itself, as, as you can see, humans. Mm -hmm. We're like mm -hmm. machines almost. Mm -hmm. A computer, the brain's like a computer to me. So it keeps yeah. accumulating information and, and trying to rephrase it and translate it. So I don't know, it keeps coming back to me. The idea of love is just there's just love anyway. There's no nothing else. Nobody trying to, to love anything. But but um, when you talk about your book is so dismantling the third dimension, transforming our trauma on the road from tribe to collective. So you just mentioned about dimension, third dimension, and different. Let me ask you the main question about the main intention to write your book. That's my first question, and then if you could explain how this works, you know, sounds like levels. So reality, dance reality, kind of different kinds of realities. Wouldn't that be mm -hmm. a separation? I guess that's the second question. Yeah, I think it is until we stop believing in ah. it. And then we release ourselves from this myth of separation, mm -hmm. right? Which is, which is all a creative project, you know, and creativity is just the project of expansion, right? So I think we sort of evolve past ourselves once we let go of the, the idea that there is separation, that this pain actually does exist, <laughs> yes. right? Which is literally the conclusion to the book. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, because I'm a, a psychotherapist, I approach, you know, our quote unquote spiritual evolution to a healing process, a psychotherapeutic process. So I give it a process all to say in the end that, haha, jokes on us. There's actually nothing going on. We're moving into states of nothingness. We're moving into states of detachment. And in that detaching from this reality, we become the next reality. And I don't know what that is, but it's detaching from pain. So in moving into a more conscious slash loving experience. But even in a more expanded state, which is why this is not just, a, oh, I'm stuck in pain. This is a creative process is what I'm, I guess you asked me, my first question is what was the intention of the book? And the, there wasn't really much of an intention behind the book. It felt very channeled. Eventually came out that, that really it's about an undoing of all of, of the doing. And to try and communicate that in a way that is a reflection of how our minds are working now because I come from a mind state. So I have a language to try and communicate. A therapeutic process is essentially a process of letting go, including letting go of process. Ah, yeah, that's the key, right? Uh, the tools, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, letting go of the tools mm -hmm. in the end. Um, why did you choose to become, I mean, that question, the choosing again, <laughs> the choice. How did you, why did you choose to become a psychotherapist in the first place, you know, that hardly felt like a choice. Again, this was back in 2008. Uh, I think the year before, for the, I, I think I set one of my very, 
I set my very first career boundary and I was working in a very unhealthy environment. And I finally decided, I don't have to do this anymore. What am I doing to myself? So put in my notice right then. And um, it was weeks later talking to somebody I consider to be quite wise. And they said, you're supposed to be working in healing arts. What are you doing this for? And within 24 hours, I went, oh, that's it. I'm supposed to be, I'm ready. I can meet people one-on-one with their pain, right? I'm ready. I've, you know, I've been doing a few years of work with myself. And so it just came on. I, I applied within a couple months of quitting to, uh, to the graduate program at University of Toronto. And I got in, I, I think I just met the deadline just met the deadline yeah. and um, got in within a few months and boom, I uh, was yeah. off on a new career. Yeah. And oh. that was the exact same time I was studying uh, Ayurveda. So I merged the East and the West. We're all merging. All at the same time, it was like this storm of change that had overcome me at that time. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a good storm, that one. <laughs> From my perspective, mm. sounds wonderful to have mm-hmm. you now in the healing yeah. industry, yeah. bringing all these pieces together. Because it is true. I love the way you said that about creativity. So it is this process of creating. And then to create, we need to have separate pieces, separate things to create with, to bring them mm. together and do all this. But then in the end, being able to even drop that, the process of creativity to unify, to go back to wholeness, which is, right. it says the most amazing when I think about it, is the most wonderful, amazing creation, if it is creation, which it doesn't feel like it's uh, has been, mm-hmm. nothing has been created really from that perspective. Mm-hmm. In your book, you say, we live in a dream. While we do not yet understand our dream states fully, I refer to our current reality as a dream. So that caught my attention, of course, mm-hmm. because that's one of Vedanta's, I'm a student of Vedanta, so that's one of the main I guess, um, let's say, teaching uh, mm-hmm. process that they go through to, to explain this reality. So talk to me for a moment about that, Antonia. Yeah, it came almost every morning when I would get up and start exercising or in meditation, I would start releasing. Whenever I release, I'd get these little snippets of, oh my, oh my word, that's it. I get it. Yeah. And so what gradually came to me through the lens of a therapist was that we are buried, shrouded in layers and layers and layers of discomfort. A lot of the people that come to me identify their childhood pain, or they can't identify the source of the pain, but a lot of them are like my childhood pain and the family trauma that is constructing my uncomfortable reality right now, my pain right now. But on top of that is intergenerational trauma and epigenetic. And the tribal trauma, right? What's going on in in this city and in this country and in this continent and in this planet, all the stories of pain and fear and shame and rage that we are holding in our bodies. So we have what I believe to be thousands of years and billions of people's pain literally sitting and coded in our body, and we don't see it. We're not aware of 99.999% of it because that is what we know. And so it is through those layers and layers and layers, lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes of pain that is encoded in our body that constructs our core beliefs, that constructs our perceptions, that constructs our behavior. And if this 
pain is constructing our reality. And I can actually see pain be there and then pain not be there. Literally, poof, when people are releasing pain, then can pain actually be real? And then what's underneath the pain? So these layers and layers of pain are, are really constructing reality that I don't see as actually existing. It's a fugue state. It's a dream state. Could we say it's a delusional state that we're here to free ourselves from? Right. That's how you compare the dream, right? Because appears and disappears. Yes. It's not real, right? Yeah. And that's really yeah. what a dream, when I work with clients, I yeah. see dreams from the, you know, the dream is a painting based on our feelings, our feelings, our repressed emotions that are trying to work themselves out, show up in a very creative way. Not all dreams are. Some people believe and see that existing in other realities through their dreams. But often when they come to me with really uncomfortable dreams, I say, well, this is your, some pain within you that's trying to make sense and organizing itself on a creative palette of your sleep state. But I think that that's what this reality is as well. It's our pain playing itself out over and over and over again on the palette of this reality. Mm. So, which is why one of the ways we heal ourselves of this painful reality is stop believing it. We've got to love it and stop believing it at the same time. Yes. Wake up in the dream, right? Mm -hmm. In the middle of the dream. It's an interesting uh, idea. But even though sometimes it's possible too, right, Antonia, that we wake up in the dream, but we're still dreaming. (laughs) That's, we were not really dis. We're not destroying, dissolving the entire reality. It's still there. I think that, you know, when we get into real pain storms, if we still carry the awareness of this really hurts right now, and it's still not real, this is my pain still playing itself out because I'm still in the creative process of bringing enough love and consciousness into that pain story so that it transforms. But even though it hurts, it's still not real. That itself, that level of detachment, Mm. that level of acceptance and compassion still carries us forward into what I believe transforming it into a higher state in the future. Yes. What can I say? Yes. A billion times to that truth. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious about something. What about, would you say that the heart, the physical heart carries um, different kinds a different kind of energy, let's say less pain than the brain would carry in a sense of mental confusion and all that that can create so much uh, distortion of reality. So what's the relationship between heart and brain? And can we actually operate from the heart's energy? Mm, I think that I believe humbly that that is exactly where we're going. I had a beautiful teacher tell me that the heart is the hub of the universe. Mm, And that's where I sit in in my meditation. That's where I sit in presence is I place my awareness in the middle of my heart and then let the healing energies, I release them upon everything else. But that is the hub. Now, of course, we hold pain in our heart. But and I've had many, 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 many experiences of releasing deep pain in the heart. But I do believe that. It is also the center of our being and where we access the whole. We do need to clear, excuse the word need, but there is possibilities of clearing that pain out so that we can increase our access to the whole through the heart. And more and more, I feel that and see that it is only through my heart and the wisdom of my heart that I trust my 
any decision-making process. My heart has to tell me so. If my mind starts chirping away, then I know that I'm, I've fallen fast asleep. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right? I know. So, but it has to come from within the own, my own heart space. That has to get activated with a clarity that goes, oh yes, of course. I don't even know why intellectually, but my heart says off we go in that direction and there, there we go. Yes. And we, we can tell there's something about the heart's energy. Mm-hmm. From my experience, uh, I can say it's already very much connected to everything. It only wants to love. That's what the heart mm-hmm. wants. So mm-hmm. connection is like, it's such an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. connects so easily mm-hmm. with anything. It forgives fast too, because it wants to go back to love. So it's always, mm-hmm. there's something, I mean, from my experience, I don't know if that's coming from the egoic kind of mind somewhere in the mind. But it feels like it's, uh, if it is a concept, it's a beautiful one too, I have to say. If we are just making this up here, that the heart, mm-hmm. you know, has mm-hmm. its own energy and it speaks mm-hmm. and it could, mm-hmm. it's really beautiful. Whatever it's coming from, it's just incredibly helpful mm-hmm. and, and beautiful. I yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a good construct to use in the meantime, I'd say, <laughs> until we find out the truth. <laughs> yes, yes, Right. Uh, there's something else in your book that caught my attention was plant medicine. Mm-hmm. So you said of all the consciousness delivery systems, plant medicine feels like a deep soul commitment. Plant medicine reveals how little we know about ourselves, the function of our reality, the purpose of our existence, and etc. It sees, reveals who we really are. Mm-hmm. So this is an interesting topic uh, because it's a tool, right? It's another tool to healing, to releasing pain and accessing the the love that you've been we've been talking about. Yeah. So is that is that coming from your own experience, plant medicine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started plant medicine in 2017, and uh, you know I think it was pre- previous six months. There were about six months, and I started to think about it a bit, and and then. Somebody out of the blue said, it was actually one of my caregivers, uh, and she said, oh my, we're doing, we're doing plant medicine, uh, ayahuasca, uh, and I think you're supposed to be there. And I had this bolt of lightning run through me, and, and it was like both of us looked at each other and was like, yes, I think you're supposed to be there. Yeah. And the reason why I did it was just um, because my process felt like it was really painful without the plant medicine you know, day to day. So I really brought it in to try and speed it up a little bit because where I'm at geographically, it's a very dense place. And so I, I thought maybe if I bring in the plant medicine, I can move this process of transformation of integration more quickly. Yes. And it's very helpful. I have heard, I've interviewed a lot of people and mm-hmm. I have not done it myself. I think I was at a place in France, it was a meditation center. And I remember they they gave me something there. I don't know if it was plant medicine, but I remember um, having all these visions. They, have, they gave me a piece of cake to eat without telling me that there was something. Oh, in my. It. Mm. Yeah, there was not. It was a good experience in the end because I could see things that I, it released also a lot of the pain that I couldn't before. So oh. that was the, mm-hmm. and I remember that trying to sue the, the meditation center and then I gave up the idea because of that, because of mm. all that I could see uh, throughout the experience. It was painful uh, in every way, but physical, physically too. But it was something that it was worth just kind of walking away from and just letting it be what it was. Mm-hmm. So that's how powerful these things are. And you're right, there's so much about the mind, the brain that we don't know. And I know scientists, they try to 
uh, you know, the heart problem of consciousness. Um, they believe that consciousness is coming from the brain or coming from matter, mm-hmm. and, but they can't prove it anyway. So mm-hmm. it has been this dead end kind of discussion. Mm-hmm. And then spiritual teachers and people like yourself um, uh, and myself, we need to, we, we seem to know more than scientists do, but I do see that when it comes to consciousness, but I see that spiritual teachers and scientists, we have that in common anyway. We are trying to find out the truth. Mm-hmm. That's what we are interested in. Mm-hmm. Go deeper into it until we find what the truth is. <laughs> so it's it's beautiful in its own. And we're almost at the end. I have so many comments that I made here about your book. Another mm-hmm. one was an exercise, uh, meditation on surrender. I love that. That was a beautiful passage in your book. And then there's the building a new narrative that was about boundaries and guilt. And that kind of related to it um, somewhat. And then the self-compassion, that was another section. You ask a question there. You say, what is in between you and self-love? That stayed with me, paused me in the moment then, and it's pausing me now too. Mm. What is in between you and self-love? When it comes to self-love, it was my first step when it comes to practicing to be more loving with others and the world itself and going deeper into spirituality and all that. And now it's the process has been dissolved. And then when I see the word self-love, something in me perhaps still contemplates the idea, but then there's another part of me that's stronger that kind of says, who is loving who? It's almost like it has to be a separation for that self-love to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's now it's like, oh, I, there's no need for the self-love anymore. There's no, it, it, I dropped the idea altogether, the concept, but it's still very much valid, right, Antonia? Mm-hmm. I don't know, as a reflection, as a contemplation yeah. within the body-mind complex, I would say. I think all of them, you know, eventually are dropped. You know, as I discussed, self-compassion, boundaries, ownership. These are all these are all part of the journey into letting them all go. I mean, why do we need to love ourselves if we are already loved? Mm. So the reason why we need to love ourselves is because there are parts within us that haven't yet got the message. Yes, <laughs> so, yes that's right. It. Yeah. Yes. So I'm sending love <laughs> to those parts that haven't yet realized that yet. And when they all get the message, then oh, we arrive at, oh, my word. Yes, I am already all love. That's what I am essentially. So all of these therapeutic practices of self-love and self-compassion and boundaries are all delivering to the wounds within us that haven't yet got the message. That's it. Yeah. Yes. That speaks very much to me. Yeah. Like, okay, that something in me says, yes, yes, that's true. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. is true. Um, So I have made note here about the five pillars of dismantling. I'll mention them quickly, if you don't mind. Yeah. I don't want to mention everything in the book, but uh, Mm -hmm. of course, we don't have enough time to go through the whole book. But I would like to mention this, if you don't mind. So the five pillars of dismantling, uh, one, meditation, two, vigilance, three, reflection, four, own everything, and then five, working with the feelings. Mm -hmm. And then you have so many exercises in the book. So, Mm -hmm. so many exercises. And then I have to say, I love, 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 a billion times, trillion times. (laughs) Conclusion is mentally nothing. Uh, I was like, ah, my heart opened. (laughs) Oh, completely. (laughs) That's it. And you say, if... It isn't already obvious we are not actually dismantling anything. 
because there's nothing to dismantle. How can we dismantle what is non-existent? Mm-hmm. Uh, question mark, exclamation <laughs> forever. <laughs> like I would put in there. Um, yes. Um, yes. What can I say to that? It's, um, yeah. It's hard to talk about nothing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, But you know, they have these conferences on nothing conferences all the time, everywhere for hours and days. (laughs) Like, how can they talk, you know, about nothing forever? (laughs) That's what's happening here, right? It seems like it's this this timed thing, you know, yesterday, Mm -hmm. today, now and tomorrow. It's all about, which is kind of, it's really, if, when you think about it, Antonia, it's really nothing but fullness, isn't it? Fullness, it kind of sings to me. In, in yes. Way, right? It's empty, I know, oh, yes. but it's full at the same time. Full. It is yeah, full. I think that's part of the process of letting go of understanding that how much we're attached to really may feel like nothing, but is everything. It's everything. And that everything, yeah, is a fullness, is a completeness, is a wholeness, a connectedness. And we experience it as an enormous love. Yes. Ah, it's an enlightened comment, which I have to say must be coming from somebody who is enlightened. And I know that enlightenment is a concept too, but it's a beautiful one. It's Mm. a truly beautiful one. And thank you so much for being that. Thank you. Oh, it's such a joy to have this conversation with you. It really feels like um, a moment of being. <laughs> yes, this is a timeless thing. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I was driving here because I went to take my other computer to the Mac store. And then on the way back, I was talking to him in the car and I said, you know, this is about these conversations that I have. They feel eternal to me. I don't know if he, he, he heard that when I said that because like, I don't understand what do you mean. But it, it feels eternal. It feels timeless. Mm. That's it. I guess that's what this body-mind complex now lives for more than anything else. I and think it, so. It keeps trying to be creative. Nothing changed. Mm-hmm. You know, I always, I was been created my entire life and trying to transform all these things to something else. But it now it feels the same. So it's just transforming and trying to create things. But with that feeling of eternity attached in it, that is the difference. That made a huge difference. I don't know, right? It feels that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like a moment that's been there forever and, and will be there forever, that yes. feeling. Yeah. Yeah, that was here, is here, and will be here. I mean, it's not confined. It's mm-hmm. not dependent on time or space. Or the interpretation of the mind-body. Yes, right. Because it's happening in it. So time and space and all that's happening in the timeless. So, mm-hmm. yes, that's it. Gosh, <laughs> that's just amazing when we find words, right? Even to, <laughs> to express these things. It's just not... Silence, I think, is the best. It seems like it's been the yeah. best way to... The best way to, um, to express yeah. these things. And not even yeah. express, just... Um, I don't exist. know. Even, yeah, exist the, in it. Right? Yeah. It's existence itself, as you said. Mm-hmm. I'd use that word, uh, non-existent. Mm-hmm. But it, it is existence itself. It's mm-hmm. empty and full at the same time. Yeah. Ah, so I have the <laughs> ending questions for you. Um, before I ask them, Antonia, would you like to add anything else that you left unsaid or read a passage in your book? No. I think it's all been beautifully said. Um, 
unless there's a passage you'd like me to read. Oh my God, there are so many. Be here for another. Yeah, there's so many of them. I love the surrender exercise, but I know that's not. It is a passage. There's um, things to say there. Would you like? Mm. Do you have the book in front of you? No, I don't. And I don't have the page either. So no. yes, but um, to end the conversation, perhaps that would be a wonderful. Let's say even reflection, contemplation. The, the word surrender. There's something. It's so beautiful. Do you even? Mm. Yeah, there's something when I look at the word, when I say it, when I hear it, something very light about it. Mm-hmm. So is that, mm-hmm. is that connected to the idea of release and releasing pain? Mm-hmm. Something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we feel safe enough, which is why this is a very sort of, you know, trauma-informed conversation, this book. Uh, when we feel safe enough, when the parts of us within feel safe enough to surrender, then I believe what we're surrendering to is the reality that exists underneath all of the pain stories. And when we let go to the energy and the power of the reality, of the wisdom below the pain stories, it comes in and takes care of the pain stories for us. Which is what medicine, plant medicine, assists us in doing. It kind of like distracts us a little shiny thing over there so that the medicine can get in there underneath the pain stories and start working at us while we're distracted. So surrender is another one of those tools to get under the pain stories when we feel safe to let go into pure presence because presence holds, doesn't hold pain stories. Yes, yeah, yes. That's it. Beautifully explained too in a way that I never heard before. (laughs) In a very uh, clear, um, yes, Beautiful, compassionate. Um, yes, how how amazing. Thank you so much again, Antonia, for being you, for listening. I can see that work there, that listening. Not losing the fear of the ego per se, just lost it. The fear of going deeper into um, what this is all about, what this is essentially, which is presence, right, awareness. Uh, how beautiful. So uh, before we say goodbye for today, where's the best place to find more information about you and what you do? So the website is www.tribe2collective, one word, dot com. And on there, you can find out about me and the book, Dismantling the Third Dimension, um, which also you can get the book in stores and online, Amazon and Indigo. And um, you can find out about the the modules, which are just reflections, audio and video reflections. You can find all that stuff. I'll have the website on your podcast profile and then also the Amazon link to the book, of course. Thank you so much again for your presence. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now. It's a joy. So grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Ansonia and her work, please visit tribe2collective.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.